0: Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 32. The Prodigal Son A man had two sons. The younger son said to the father, Give me my share of the property. So the father divided the property between his two sons. Then the younger son gathered up all that was his and left. He travelled far away to another country. There he wasted his money. In foolish living, he spent everything he had. Soon after that, the land became very dry and there was no rain. There was not enough food to eat anywhere in the country. The son was hungry and needed money. So he got a job with one of the citizens there. The man sent the son into the fields to feed the pigs. The son was so hungry that he was willing to eat the food the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. The son realised that he had been very foolish. He thought, All my father's servants have plenty of food, but I am here almost dying with hunger. I will leave and return to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against God and have done wrong to you. I am not good enough to be called your son, but let me be like one of your servants. I don't need to be your son anymore, I just need to get home. So the son left and went to his father. While the son was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. He felt sorry for his son, so the father ran to him and hugged him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against God and have done wrong to you. I am not good enough to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Hurry, bring the best clothes and put them on him. Also put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get our fat calf and kill it. Then we can have a feast and celebrate. My son was dead, but now he is alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. So they began to celebrate. The older son was working in the field. As he came closer to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called to one of the servants and asked, What does this mean? The servant said, Your brother has come back. Your father killed the fat calf to eat because your brother came home safely. The older son was angry and would not go into the feast. So his father went out and begged him to come in. The son said to his father, I've served you like a slave for many years, I've always obeyed your commands, but you never even killed a young goat for me to have a feast with my friends. But your other son has wasted all his money on foolish things, then he comes home and you kill the fat calf for him. The father said to him, son, you are always with me, all that I have is yours. We had to celebrate and be happy because your brother was dead but now he is alive. He was lost, but now he is found.
1: Great. So, let's unpack that story a little. We had one son who decided to go away from his father to do things on his own. How many times have we done that? Thought our safe place is away from where God is at work. For some reason, there's something in us that wants to do things our own way, on our own. Not God's way. When we do that, how does that work out? Probably not great. Just like the lost son, we come to a point where we need to turn around, go home, and say sorry. And that is a really difficult thing to do. You probably wondered if God would accept you back so lovingly. Would he be really grumpy with you? No! Would he walk away from you? No. Would he punish you? No. Just like the father in this story, if we're lost and we choose to go back home to God, when we do, he will welcome us home because we've been lost and now we're found. In fact, this father runs to meet his son. If we're far away from God, we need to come home to him. He will welcome us back. After the next song, Johnny's going to talk through Psalm 84, and how, even when, we've come back to God, there are times when we find it difficult to be close to him, because we're all on our own, away from church.
2: We've already explored one way that we can be away from home. Like the guy in Jesus' story, as the human race, we've kind of left our father, but we can come back because he can welcome us back. He's done everything for us. Just, just like the father in the story did everything that his son could come back again. So Jesus came. He lived with us. He died for us. He was raised from the dead for us. So we can come home. We can know the father's embrace. And that's how we begin our Christian lives. We were lost, but we are found. We were dead but now we can be alive to God. But there are times when, as believers, we can feel a bit far from home. Not like before in that fundamental way, but it can still be something that we go through. Let's have a look today at Psalm 84. We're gonna look first at the first four verses. Psalm 84, verse one
3: to four. they are even ever praising
2: you. As as we heard these words, we could realize that they're really quite emotional, aren't they? There are strong feelings expressed here. That first phrase talks about God's dwelling place being lovely. And what that means is that the person who's writing this psalm loves there, loves it there, loves to be in God's place. It's nothing to do with the decor being particularly attractive. No, the writer says he yearns, he longs, he faints to be somewhere and he feels like that because he's not there at the moment. His whole body, he says, is aching to be where the Lord is. Almost like that feeling you may remember or maybe you still have it, that of missing someone you really love. You you so want to be with them Again, I remember feeling like that when we were first dating and and I was in Cardiff and Mary was in London and we'd only see each other every two weeks. and, and, And sometimes I felt, oh, it would be just great. I'm really longing to be with her again. Well, it's that kind of idea expressed in that psalm. And that's it. It's not the place that he's missing. It's the living God. He's found this life with God. And he's missing that. And he says people who who live in that place, he's talking about the temple, are really blessed. Even the birds can be there. The temple in Jerusalem had open courts and birds could kind of live like they do in the outside spaces. He says it's a safe place to be at home. Birds don't nest where they don't feel safe. We've got a, a bird box in our garden and we're very excited that there's some blue tits in there. But now we don't know whether we should go in the garden or cut the grass because we want them to feel safe and the man in the psalm says i really want to live there too so what is this all about well the writer is an israelite we're in the old testament the first half of the bible it's written probably eight or nine hundred years before jesus came and their experience of god at that time as god's people centered around a place it centered around the temple or the tabernacle before it and he's missing that place. He, he, would, he wanted, wants to be there. Later on in Israel's history, they had synagogues, uh, which were like local congregations, rather like our church. But at this time, it was just the temple. And they would all go to the temple several times a year. They go for festivals or for sacrifices and there would be joyful praise. And their experience of God centered around that place. And now this man is longing to be there because he isn't there at the moment. It's like he wants to be back at home, close to God, back where he met with God. He's missing it so much. Now, is this where we can be a bit in these days? We are maybe realising that meeting God together is such a crucial part of our Christian experience, maybe more than we thought it was. Sure, it's only a building, but there we've known the Lord with us. We have memories of that as we've been with others, as we've praised together, or as we've mourned together, or we've celebrated things together. And our spiritual life has been nourished around one another in that place. And now we can't do it. And I want to say there's nothing wrong with us feeling like this. God made us as people to be together It's not some kind of failure of our spiritual life to feel this way any more than it was for the psalm writer. Our sense of God being with us is tied up with what we do together in church. Of course, it's not the building itself, although I'm quite attached to it and I miss working there. No, it's the living God with us there, with others. And I think this psalm speaks to us right now, right at this place where we are. So how do God's people throughout the ages cope or thrive in being away from home like this? Let's see again what this psalm has to say to us.
3: Psalm 84 continues, verse 5 to 12. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk in blamelessness. Lord God Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you.
2: So we can see from this passage that although it's not an easy time for God's people, it is possible to have strength from God. It says here, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Now, blessed is, has that idea of, of knowing God with us, of, of knowing goodness because we're close to him. It's a relational word in the, in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament. And it, it, in that closeness, in that relationship, it says there is strength. It's mentioned three times in verses five to seven, if you look at it. And this strength gives them confidence It says they will appear before God in Zion. Zion is the mountain where the temple was. And what the the writer, what the psalm is saying, they will all get there. And, you know, written over our lives as those who know Jesus is this promise It's from the New Testament. It says in Philippians 1 verse 8, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. There is strength from God. He will get us there. But how will they keep going on this journey? How can they be aware of God when the ways they usually experience him are no longer available to them? How will we, for that matter? Well, this psalm has some pointers here, and I think they're helpful for us. Here's the first one. It says here that our hearts are set on pilgrimage. You see, it's all to do with the heart. It's all about our inner lives. Actually, original talks about the paths to Zion are set in our heart. Is that inner awareness that you're going someone with, sorry, that you're going somewhere? We're going somewhere with God. We're growing in that life with God. So, how does wandering around or, or, or just being at the victim of circumstances, how does that kind of wandering become pilgrimage how can living in lockdown become pilgrimage for us well first of all pilgrims are going somewhere aren't we this is a route we're going this way in order to get somewhere we may not quite know where but it's this sense of there's a purpose on it so can we think of our our lives in this phase a bit like that it's a journey going somewhere and on the way, just as on pilgrimage, there will be kind of waypoints. Maybe we mark each week in some way. We find new rhythms of, of setting our week so that each kind of day and week doesn't roll in to the next one. Maybe we take a chance to stop and reflect on what we're learning, what you're learning, what I'm learning individually. Maybe something you can do with your family as you look back over the week, or with your prayer partner, or or with your spouse, or whoever you're in touch with. Maybe you can think about a lockdown diary, the story of your life in lockdown, and what you've been learning, a spiritual diary. You can do other things as well, of course. So pilgrims are going somewhere, but also on, on a pilgrimage. The fact that the journey is different it becomes an opportunity and at a time when we're on a different journey when we're out of our comfort zones there's an opportunity to learn from god and to seek the lord on that in in that more uncomfortable place i, I started traveling in my in my job and And uh, years ago and it took me to places I'd never been. I'd never been to places like Pakistan and Afghanistan and Bangladesh and Nepal and I always went on my own and and I was dependent on people meeting me and I'd never been to some of these places before and and I was way out of my comfort zone and one of the things I discovered that I could make it like a pilgrimage. It was a time when I really needed to know the Lord with me and and so I would mark it with With a little journal, I'd have to write notes anyway about what I was picking up and learning on the way and to share with others. But there was this element that I was on this journey too. And and maybe we can treat our, our pilgrimage as an opportunity to be reflective, to be asking, Lord, what are you teaching me? Where are you in this? Use things like examine, take solitude to reflect on it because it's an opportunity to grow those ways of walking with god on your own to learn to worship to pray in different ways use those exercise walks if you can take them on your own become a pilgrim pray at those times reflect lord what are you teaching me where are you in all of this and this passage talks about something amazing it says that as they go on their pilgrimage places that are hostile and difficult, like the Valley of Bacca become transformed. They can become places where there is surprising new life, living water, living springs. Is that a picture for this week? On our journeys this week, may those places we go through be transformed from dry places to places where there are surprising signs of life. But the psalm also goes on to say how our, our, our hearts rather, can overflow with prayer. That's in verses 8 and 9. Prayer. Well, what is prayer? Well, it's essentially quite simple at one level. It's like what the lost son did, what we did when we became believers. We turned to God, actively asking him. There's that Bible idea of seeking God. And we need to learn, or we can learn, to make that a discipline, to learn to pray. Yeah, to come along and be part of the house of prayer. Every lunchtime, or to be praying with others using triplets. It says here that we can seek the Lord God Almighty, it says, and He will listen to us. That's remarkable, isn't it? Why is that? Why will God listen to me? Because He's the God of Jacob, not just the Lord God Almighty, the God of Jacob. Remember Jacob? He was a mess the baggage in his life was well more than excess he had ups and downs it was a long journey but his life was transformed gradually and by the end of his life he can look back on a life that is complicated difficult far from something to be proud of but to say god was with me he blessed me he changed me and god changes us remember he is the father in that story we heard he runs to meet us. He comes with grace. Verse 11 talks about his favour and honour that he bestows. That's God's grace. And as we learn to pray, we're aware of the king. This psalm writer actually talks about hit the king. He talks about God's anointed. He prays for the king. And we're aware of our king. We don't pray for our king. Our king is Jesus. Actually, he prays for us. But the reason we can pray is because our lives are about his kingship being seen, and all that comes as we pray. Our King, Jesus, invites us to pray in his name. So our hearts can overflow with prayer on this journey. And the last one, as we come towards the end of the psalm, is that our hearts can be filled with hope. See, this man knows where he's going. More than that, he's experienced it. he's been there before and he's going to get back there. And here I'm not really thinking about getting back to Portswood Church or being together again, but being uh, at home with the Lord again in his presence forever. That's a bigger home to go to. A bigger home to long for. And, you know, we have experienced something of that home. The Bible says that when Jesus comes into our lives, the Holy Spirit comes, and that's described, he's described, that experience is described as a first installment of heaven, a down payment, a deposit of all that is to come. In Colossians, it's put in this way, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And as we're aware of the goodness and glory of God now in our lives, How can we want anything else? How can we choose sin and do things that God says dishonours him and destroys us when we've tasted heaven? That's what verse 10 is all about when he talks about, I'd rather be uh, one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper than dwell in the tents of, of the wicked ones. It's a very uh, a, a clear and a powerful picture. He's saying, I'd rather be, he's not talking about someone who looks after the door. He's talking about, I'd rather be someone almost p- pushed outside of the door because it's so crowded. I'd rather be on the edge of the temple with you, Lord, than away in wickedness from you. That's one reason why we say no to sin and yes to God. And there's another reason and that's because as it says here as god this god who is with us on the journey he says he's like a sun the lord god is a sun and shield a sun that provides life and nourishment and warmth and a shield that provides protection he gives grace it says it says he is good no good things does he withhold From those whose way of life is blameless and we're blameless because of jesus it's not because of how great we are but he doesn't hold anything good from us he is good if you know jesus then the ark of your life is in his hands we can trust him so at this time we can be strengthened we yearn to be in a place where experiencing god is easier but we're going to journey through something demanding with god's strength let's be aware of that there is strength for this journey and that strength grows in us we receive that as we begin to invest in our inner lives with god how are you going to do that during this time as our hearts learn the way of the pilgrim not just wandering around but going somewhere learning with our lord as we go and this strength. It grows as we learn the way of prayer. It grows as we realise we've already tasted heaven. It's worth the journey. And on the way, we live in the goodness of our God, seen in the King we love, Jesus. May we know him with us on our journey this week.